Hello and welcome to the Female Founder Friday podcast with me, Lindsay White. I'm passionate about helping female entrepreneurs be great leaders, build high-performing teams, and create inspiring workplace cultures through innovative talent programs and practices. Because when people feel like they belong at work, they deliver their very best and businesses thrive. The Female Founder Friday podcast is all about connecting with the most incredible female entrepreneurs to talk about the journey to creating their own business, the mistakes they've made along the way, and how they view their own leadership. And I'm challenging all of my guests this season to take my leadership style quiz. And during each episode, we'll be digging into their leadership style and how it impacts the way they lead in their life and their business. If you're interested in learning more about your leadership style and want some of my top tips to help you lead more effectively, you can take the quiz right now. Just check out the show notes or head over to highvoltageleadership.ca and you can click on the button at the top of the page that says take the quiz. You can share your results, connect with our guests and join the conversation on Instagram by following me at highvoltleadership. My guest this week is Michelle Clayton. Michelle is the founder of Let Her Fly where she helps female business owners like you and I build really beautiful brands. She's been in the business for over 30 years and has truly seen the evolution of the branding design and communication world as the technology has changed. Like so many of us, Michelle's shift from the agency world to her own business really came out of her own personal experiences with motherhood, her own health challenges, and really refocusing on her values. I'm looking forward to sharing this conversation with you today. Michelle, thank you so much for being a part of the Female Founder Friday podcast. I'm I'm really glad to have you as a guest. Thank you so much for being well, here. Thank you, Lindsay, for having me. I am so looking forward to talking with you today and yeah. seeing where this conversation goes. Oh, it'll go in all sorts of beautiful directions, I'm sure. So, yeah. you know, start off by telling us about your journey as a female founder. Mm-hmm. As a female founder. So I will start with my journey actually started in the US. So I am born and raised in the United States. A lot of people don't know that about me. I, I lost my accent when I came. So they don't know that. But that is where I grew up. And my dad was a commercial photographer back in the day. So he worked with a lot of graphic designers and ad agencies and stuff. So he was the first one, I think, that put the bug in my ear of, you know, Michelle, this is a career thing. Like you could actually do this because, you know, I did all the art competitions and stuff in school. So I went to university and got my degree in graphic design. And I did the math recently, and that was almost 30 years ago now, (laughs) you know, because we're of that age, right, Lindsay? Um, So it was a long time ago, but (laughs) what's been fun is, so I have stayed, I think I'm one of those rare unicorns that has actually used my degree and stayed in that industry my entire career. It's looked different at different times, and I've certainly been in different environments, but I've always been there. And it makes it really fun to look back and see the evolution of the industry itself, right? When you're in it all the time, it's like, wow, this has really changed (laughs) over 30 years. It's very different than it was. And yet there's still a lot of it that is so the same, right? You know, the principles are the same of, of design in general, right? Like what was true 30 years ago is still true today. It just shows up differently, really. Yeah. I can imagine, I mean, the first thing that pops into my head is that the evolution of technology has played an enormous role in the evolution of design. Yes? Yes. Yeah. When I was learning, we were doing most of it by hand. Yeah. 
And the first computer I ever worked on was a, no word of a lie, it was a six inch black and white Apple screen. Yeah. That's, that's what we had in our, yeah. in our computer lab. And there was one big color monitor that we could sign out, you know, we could block off our time if we signed up for it. Wow. That, like, that's how much it's changed. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that is so crazy. It made me think about, we actually had an Apple IIe at the uh -huh. My mom, my mom bought it. It was like the height of technology at the time. And I honestly, I think if we still had it, it would be worth a gajillion dollars, right? Probably. It Probably. really would be. I don't know what happened to it. I'm, it's so sad we didn't keep it. But it, 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 like when you really step back and think about it, I mean, that was the height of technology at the time. Yep. And yep. wow, look at where we yep. are today. No kidding. But what it give what it gave me that I I mean I I appreciate my education regardless but it gave you a different set of skills I think like we had hand skills like we we were pasting stuff up literally by hand and so it gave you a different sensibility of space and proportion and all of those like I don't want to get into all the technical stuff of it but when you're when you're used to just being on a computer you yeah. you don't see things I think as well as maybe you do when you're actually you know, when you have to write the letters by hand, you pay a lot more attention to the spacing and stuff like that. So it's been interesting. Mm, I love that observation because I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't have thought about it that way. I, I, I mean, I'm not a designer. I would be more mm -hmm. on the other side where I'm more of a writer, right? I have mm -hmm. a arts background and did a lot of paper. And but, but you're right. There is something different about the processes that go into creating it with your own hands. Like that part is similar as opposed to typing on a keyboard or clicking in a, right? Right, right. And trusting the default software, right? To do yeah. the spacing properly or whatever. It's like, well, it's never right. You always have to tweak it. But do yeah. you know how to tweak it, right? If yeah. you haven't figured that out or learned that, then yeah. So I feel like I've got a huge advantage in that, to be honest. Yeah, so it, well, just, fun. just such a different way to look at it. Um, so- I mean, now you own your own practice, but how did, how did you get to that? Like from yeah. the university days to now, what did that look like? Yeah. So university days. And then I went straight into working in communications for a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So I was a designer on their team there in the States. And then through that job actually met this very handsome, very wonderful Canadian man <laughs> who I then married. And then he uh, brought me up here to the frozen North. Um, and I haven't really been warm in the last 27 years, I think, although it's, be <laughs> it's beautiful here today. So I shouldn't complain, but, right. um, and then I, so I obviously was trying to find work in yeah. Canada here in yeah. Calgary, where we both actually live in the same place. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting. So I was always like, I wasn't out of, you know, never out of work, but it was different yeah. places. Like I worked pre-press and I worked in-house and um, things like that. And the interesting thing was I would go for, you know, an interview for a design job, like at an advertising agency was ideally where I wanted to be. Right. right? right. Um, but not being from here, my portfolio and like this is back in the day where you have an actual physical portfolio you know with the papers in it and all that stuff like we're old school man um it didn't look like everybody else's so everyone that came out of the local schools they knew what to expect like what kind of projects would be in there and all that and mine didn't look like that and they really didn't know what to do with me like some of them told me that i like 
And I'm thinking, but this is a creative job. Don't you want something that's different from everybody else? It was really kind of odd to me. Yes. Certainly not something that I would have predicted would have been an issue. But but then I did end up in an agency. I was there for years. It kind of went through merger and acquisition. And that was a great career. I loved, I had the best bosses, um, mostly men. So I, I worked under great men um, and a couple of women. They really allowed us to step up and, you know, we got to meet with clients and we got to stretch our skills and, um, and step into senior roles. So I was so grateful for that experience. And my colleagues, of course, were amazing. Those were good, really good years. And then we had children. Mm -hmm. So I have two teen daughters now, and I knew that I didn't want to go back to the corporate space. Um, We have no family, extended family in town at all. And that certainly weighed into it. My husband also traveled a lot for work. That was part of his job. And so I just couldn't see how I was going to go back to a nine to five thing. And I really didn't want to. Right. And, and I was freelancing like all along the way I would freelance and I would do stuff on the side and I kept doing a little bit of that, but, um, the focus really became the kids. And also we were building and renovating lots of houses. We flipped a bunch of houses. That's a whole, you know, job, full-time job. In oh, and of it is. So it's like, I just, I don't have capacity to take on anything else or to, to work somewhere else. And also in hindsight, I look back and I probably had undiagnosed postpartum depression after the kids, oh, yeah. so, you know, just all of that kind of stuff. And, and I know I had undiagnosed celiac disease at the time. Oh my. So That's- I was exhausted all the time. Oh. <laughs> right? I can't even imagine two little kids flipping houses and moving like that, those two together, like that's insanity. Yeah. And I know how celiac can impact people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me, it was just utter exhaustion. Oh, wow. you know, like three-hour daily naps. But then once they di- once they diagnosed it and everything got under control, I'm like, oh, I feel like a new woman. <laughs> like, yeah. no, now we're good. Now we're good. So, um, so then as the kids got older, uh, we were more settled home-wise. And so, about six years ago, um, just over six years ago, I started what is now Let Her Fly, yeah. and. It was really interesting to me. I, you know, you, you get past the, the young years of kids and going on school field trips and all that. And they're older. And like, I, I felt like I had my time back to myself Yeah. and started going, well, what do I want to do with this? And I can go back to what I did before, not still not in a corporate space, but using the skills that I had and the things that I love to do. And so that's, that's what I decided to do. And I think what's the term you use an accidental entrepreneur or unintentional <laughs> yeah. entrepreneur, yeah. something like that. Yeah. That was me too. <laughs> yes. yes. I never really intended to start my own practice. And yet no. here I am like four and yeah. a half years later. Right. Yeah. Same, same. I, I never thought I would be a business owner. I don't know how I thought that was all going to play out, but you know, right. I, yeah. So, so here we are, right. You and me, oh, and so many others. That. I love that. And I think, you know, your story, every story, every female founder I talk to, the story is unique. But what I find is always the same is that there's some kind of inflection point. There's mm-hmm. a there's a moment, there's a choice. For many of us, it is children and family, right? Where we mm-hmm. choose a different lifestyle mm-hmm. um, and a different way to work. And that brings us to the place where we choose to start our own businesses. 
because not only is the right choice for us, but sometimes for our family. I mean, sometimes like for me, it was, you know, I worked for a really terrible boss and that Mm. the the choice, the choice just became no choice at all. Right. (laughs) Right? Exactly. I'm not working for that person any longer. That's crazy. But I, I love that. I love that. This is just such a beautiful, rich journey that now yeah. resulted in clearly a business that's very fulfilling for you. It is, it is. And you know, when I, cause design can go into lots of different directions, oh, yeah. right? And when, when I created what is now Let Her Fly, what became obvious to me is my background in the ad agency world and that corporate space, I was looking at, you know, so, 10 years ago, probably even eight years ago, this is what I kind of meant by the evolution of the industry. When you're in it for so long, branding was a thing for like big companies, right? When you've got a big budget and a big team and a crazy long timeline, that's who gets branding. Mm. But the irony is, is that this, it's the same principles. It's the same processes for like your business and my business, like for small business, for entrepreneurs. But if you don't know that, you don't know how to carry the one into the other. So I just feel really blessed that I had that experience. And like, we need to be doing, like, don't be sending someone to go make a Pinterest board, you know, or try a new font from creative market. You know, that one that everybody else is using that you see on social media, Like we need to take those same, like, that's where the strategy comes in. You can take the same principles that any big company uses and apply them to your own business and you get such a better result and it brings a much stronger transformation in the business. Yeah. So I was really intentional that that's what I wanted to bring. So I mean, I could do all kinds of graphic design, but the, that's where the branding piece came in for me that yeah. small businesses need this too. And, you know, they have every right to have that as well. <laughs> so yeah. let's, let's get more intentional about this and help those businesses succeed instead of just, you know, slapping a new logo on a company and calling it done. Yeah. And, and I think it, you know, that's something that I learned as I, uh, sort of developed my brand for high voltage leadership mm-hmm. is that, yeah, it's not just a logo. It really, there's something very strategic behind it. Um, and it really brings together a number of things, including the design right. With great purpose. Um, and that's what makes it really impactful. Not just some pretty colors and a few graphics. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's more than that. Yeah. It's that purpose piece. Like you said. Yeah. I love it. Well, and I try and do the same thing in a different way, which is bringing that big corporate people strategy and bringing that to a small business level, right? Because it's the same idea, same principles that it doesn't have to be complicated. Mm -hmm. You, you can, but you can still leverage the same sort of underlying beliefs and, and, and pieces to really make up actually a really big impact in a small business. And, and with, with a, with a smaller team, you don't have to have the hundreds and thousands of people. So I really connect to that idea that you can, you can take some of the big corporate pieces, just scale them, scale mm-hmm. them for a smaller organization, but they'll make a really big splash. Yeah, if, if yeah, do. they really do. So mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, mm-hmm. um, I, I want to ask you about, you know, sort of where you've made mistakes or missteps mm-hmm. in this process and what you've learned from those, Michelle. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. As we were joking before, like mistakes, who makes mistakes? Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's been lots of them, I'm sure. There's two that come to mind. Um, one is one that is so common among all your guests. So I'll save that one for the second one. Okay. Um, but the first one, I think, looking back, and of course, we only know what we know at the time, Yeah. you know, and hindsight's always 2020 and all the cliches. But looking back for me, when I stepped out of corporate, um, to stay home, I did not continue to nurture those relationships, those connections. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right? And um, I think that really slowed me down at the beginning because in a lot of ways it was like starting from scratch. Right. And had I had, and I, I did, I truly didn't feel like I had the capacity to do anything differently, but had I been able to maintain some of those key relationships and friendships and all of that, when I was ready to start back up again, I think it probably would have either made things move quicker or easier, or I don't know, you know, who knows, right? Who knows how that would have affected it, but I think there would have been a different factor at play there. 100%. So to be fair, just Mm -hmm. reflecting on what you've told us in your journey, sounds like you had a lot going on. Yeah. (laughs) Probably low on the list of things to get done. Um, but, but you, you know what, I I think, I think that that's actually a beautiful learning is that nurturing your network Mm -hmm. is always time well spent energy. Well, well used whether you, and whether you, whether you desire to stay in a corporate role forever and ever, Mm -hmm. that you're one of those people that is super cool nurturing your network because you never know where the next opportunity, the next job, the next promotion might come from, or whether like you and I, where we've Mm -hmm. gone, uh, you know, to start our own businesses, how and who in that network can really help support, generate referrals, generate conversations, generate ideas. I mean, I get the best ideas sometimes through my networking conversations. Yeah. And it's so easy to think of, you know, I needed those relationships because I needed clients. And it, it, I mean, for those kinds of people, it wasn't the clients at all, right? Like you mentioned, it's so many other roles that people play in our life and in our business. And it's all valuable. It's all valuable. I, I really, that is such, that is such a great point and such a great learning. Okay. Mm-hmm. So number two, you said this is something <laughs> you have in common with some of my other guests. I'm interested to hear that. Maybe this. all of your other, I'm not sure how many, but a lot of your other guests, yes, is not hiring sooner. Yeah. Right. That is, that is the, the thing, um, that I think would have changed things differently, but Mm -hmm. I will add to that. It's really important to know what you're hiring for. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, I, at the point, you know, if I had hired sooner, I didn't even know what I needed to hire for. Like I had heard people in the online space saying, you need to hire, you need to hire, don't wait too long to hire. Well, what does that even mean? And what kind of role am I filling? And where can I, you know, plug some of these holes? Because I think for, for us as solopreneurs, we often struggle with that feast or famine cycle, right? Yes. Like that's a common thing. You've got the clients, you serve the clients, because that's what we like to do. That's our jam. That's what we're good yeah. at. But we're wearing all the hats and that's really hard to do without you know, burn the midnight oil. So you serve the clients and what drops off is the marketing, right? Whatever the marketing looks like for you. I don't, I don't use that as a bad word. It's, you know, whether that's newsletters or speaking or whatever, but we can't do it all. So we quit doing that. And then we finish serving the clients 
and oops, we didn't market. So there's nobody in the pipeline, right? So then we, you know, you get the big engine turning again, you get some more clients, you serve the clients, you quit the marketing. Like that's where the feast or famine comes into play. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so true. Wow. So once you figure out what I realized is I had to keep the marketing going somehow. Yeah. And I couldn't do it myself. I mean, I, well, I couldn't do it myself and still do really good client work. So I actually started logging my time for like two or three months. I think it was at least two months. It might've been three. And I was like, I always logged my time anyway, because back from the corporate days, that's how you bill clients and all that. So I always had a good pulse on that, but I started logging all the business stuff, like writing the blog post, scheduling the social media, making graphics, all things that I was very capable of doing, but I didn't have the time. So once I could see, okay, here's all these pieces that I don't have to do. Someone else could do them just as well, if not better than me. And it's going to, and it's going to save me. I knew 20 hours a month, easy 20 hours a month. So if I get someone else to fill that spot, why would I not do that? And as soon as I was able to do that, that's when I was able to kind of get out of the feast or famine. Now, you know, it's always kind of got its head around the corner. (laughs) I don't know if we're ever completely out of it, but it definitely cut down, you know, fewer famine cycles and more feast cycles. And at the time too, I didn't know how to do it. Like I didn't know how to write a job description. And now I know you have an amazing resource for that, but I didn't know you back then, Lindsay. Uh, Yeah. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Yes. No, but okay. I, I I am really glad that you said this. And I, I actually just did a post uh, the other day that I'll link in the show notes. Yeah, I saw that about this because it is something that I hear all together too often. And, and the truth is um, there's, there's some, there's some mindset work. So I love Mm. the way you tackled that Michelle in that, wait a minute, I really need to think about my time differently and really analyze the time. And you are clearly very disciplined about that. I'm on the other side of that where I don't log any of my time. Yeah. So I, I actually love that element of like, what am I doing for whom and, and how long, right? Like really getting clear on that. Actually, I think that that adds, um, you know, some data to the mix yes. of it instead yes. of it being anecdotal, but there is, um, there is a mindset piece around the letting go. And that sure. can be really challenging for uh, some some of us as solopreneurs. I just yep. I just uh, taught a workshop a couple weeks ago around um, you know really how how do you go about hiring that rock star first person whether it's an employee or a contractor for many of us it's going to live in that contractor space um, as our first person but you know we really have to get our own head around allowing someone else. Mm-hmm. to have some of that responsibility in our business. Um, yep. And then there's some tactical pieces, you're right, around what do you need to do yeah. um, to, to really attract the right person and to then know that they're the right person? What do you need to ask? Right. Um, so so the, you know, that's the easy part. The tactical pieces are the easy part. It's get your own head in the right space yeah. uh, to be able to delegate and to be able to communicate and, and lead that person. Cause whether they're a contractor or an employee, you got to tell them what's in your head. They're not going, yeah. to, there are no mind readers, right? No, 
No, there aren't. And it's all that other stuff. Like you, you talk about this. I know it's like, what are the values of your business, right? Like what are, so you, you got to do the work, right? You can't just slap up a job description and hire somebody. What's the saying? Hire slow, fire fast. Right? Yes. You, you need to give yourself time to find the right person and like even pre-onboarding, but then you've got the onboarding phase. So when you're in a crisis in your business, that's a really hard time to hire somebody great. It, it really is. And that's why I sort of preach like there, there is, there is a time to be doing this. And mm -hmm. when you are running around like a chicken with your head cut off and your hair on fire, mm -hmm. that is not the time. Do that work in advance, anticipate, believe in your business enough to know that the yeah. growth is possible. Yeah. And, that's and key. I think that's the hard thing, right? It's like, what if I don't have the money to pay them? And what if I hire them and then things die off? And yeah, you do. There's a belief piece to it that we're going to make this work. Yes. Yes. But and it doesn't have to be huge either. Like, I, I mean, I hired someone for 20 hours a month. Like my assistant was 20 hours a month. It's five yeah. hours a week. Like that's not I know. a of dough. No, it's not. But it was huge for me to get that stuff off of my plate. And what I ask business owners is, what does that five hours a week mean to you? Like what, what business can you generate in mm -hmm. five hours a week, right? So if you are billing out at a couple hundred dollars an hour and you're writing a blog post or you're scheduling your social, what's of greater value to your business? Well, clearly doing the client work or and or building those relationships that's yeah. way greater value because all you need is one new client for one month and you've got exactly. four or five months of a, a, an assistant paid for exactly right and it's it's really believing in your own ability that's what sort of lives underneath all of that is you know I, i'm i'm really scared right this mm -hmm. is Hard. And so when I work with small business, female founders, small business owners to really talk through that, that's what I find is sort of underneath all of it. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. And you mentioned too, the perfectionism thing. Like I'm, I, 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 my name is Michelle and I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> like, Both are our hand up. You're right. I, I don't know if you're an Enneagram person. I'm an Enneagram one. So that's like perfectionist all over. Um, and it is hard to let go of that stuff, but you can do it incrementally too. It's not like you just hand things off and you never look at it again, right? Like there, there's a, there's learning time. There's onboarding time. There's checks and balances. It's, it's going to be okay. Yeah. It, it's going to be okay. And you know what, if a few social posts go out that aren't exactly what you want, there's an opportunity to communicate and iterate. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I found that too. And it's been actually, it's been like personal growth for me, <laughs> to yeah. see, you know, to see yeah. something not go out perfectly or like we had a big flub up with our um, email system, not our fault. My assistant did what, the, what our email system told her to do. It sent an email to everybody immediately. I'm like, you know what? Nobody's dying here. No. <laughs> you know, no. it's okay. And everybody's done it. Yeah, I've gotten emails like that before. I've seen mistakes. I've seen typos. Like, do I think they're a terrible business owner? No. Oh, I think they're a human being. We're human. Yeah. No, I love that. And I thank you for, for saying that. Like, let's put this in perspective. Nuclear war is not going to start because your MailChimp app <laughs> sent something out three hours early or two yeah. hours late. Because I've had that too. Sent a newsletter last month, 
three hours after I had already done the workshop. Oh no. <laughs> now, the good news is it's it was recorded. People can still go find it, but it just, I was like, oh no. But like the 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 world is literally not going to collapse. No. 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 And people no. are way more gracious and kind than we think they are. You know, I'm like, if someone's gonna unsubscribe because of that, they're not my people anyway. No, that bye-bye. Right. You know? Bye-bye. And, and I even had the thought in my head of, okay, do I send an apology email now because of that one? But I'm like, then they're just going to get another email. What's the point of that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let it I, go. And have a sense of humor about it. And, and uh -huh. again, that's where our personal leadership style, and we're going to talk about yours in a moment, but we can really step into our leadership as a business owner and, 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 and say, to our team, whatever they're, they look like, mm -hmm. Hey, let's talk about what happened here and, and what we can do with our process, our systems, the way we communicate so that that doesn't happen again. Right. That's where we can really step up. Uh, so I, I really, I love it. I, I think it is a point that a lot of my uh, guests make is I should have, I should have hired sooner. Mm -hmm. I drove myself to the brink of insanity and then decided I needed some help. Yeah. I wouldn't do that again. So if you're listening, don't do that. Stop don't it. Do that. If you feel like you're going bonkers and you know, you need to hire somebody, just call me and I'll help you figure it out. We can get you there. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk now <laughs> about Michelle's leadership style because she's taken my leadership style quiz. And yeah. if you haven't had a chance to take the quiz yet, you want to follow along, you want to know if your style is the same as Michelle's, the <laughs> link is in the show notes, or you can go to highvoltageleadership.ca. There's a button right at the top that says, take the quiz, hit that button. You can do the quiz in what, like two minutes or less, Michelle? It's yeah, not I think it was, I think it was less than two minutes. Yeah. It'll give you something to think about, a little self-reflection. I've got some great tips on leadership there for you. Um, Michelle, what did you get out of that survey? What was your style? My style, which I laughed and was not surprised. My style is coaching, mm -hmm. which is funny to me because I am not a coach. Like I am not a certified coach in any way, shape or form, but over the last, you know, five or six years, I am surrounded by so many coaches. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of y'all. <laughs> I love it. Um, of all types, you know, leadership, business, personal, weight loss, yeah. uh, friends, colleagues, people in my network, and clients. I have a lot of clients who are coaches of various shapes and sizes. And a few of them have told me, they're like, Michelle, you're really like a coach. I'm like, I'm not a coach. I'm not a coach because I'm not a certified coach, but my style is very much like that. And I think, you know, in the way that people that you surround yourself with rub off on you, hopefully for better, Sure. being around those people and learning from them, like asking good questions, asking thoughtful questions, really listening to their answers. That is very much my style of yeah. life. I hope too, but especially in business, Yeah. 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 even I in something like design, it's yeah. kind of funny, but yeah, it is. No, I, I actually, I can really see where, and you, you nailed it. I mean, those are the two fundamental skill sets you need as a coach. Mm. You need to be able to listen and, and actually listen for what's not being said. That's mm. what makes a really powerful coach and ask really great questions 
and ask why all the time. Those are two big skill sets of being a coach. And I can actually really see how that would be of great value in design and branding to really get in your client's head. Yeah, it's huge. It's such, it's such an advantage. I remember, I think that some of the first coaches I knew personally as friends, I was in a mastermind group and three, there were four of us, three of them were coaches of different types and me. (laughs) And so I asked him like, okay, explain this to me. Like, what is the difference between a coach and a therapist or a coach and something else? So that was where I started to learn. Oh, so like, this is a thing. This is how this works. But yeah, in branding, the, the thing that people tell me the most, like as clients, the feedback that's most common is I felt so seen and heard Yeah. when I worked with you, like you really understood me and you really understood my business. I'm like, that is the, like one of the greatest compliments I f- think I could get that they, f- to hold space for somebody else, because you're same as you, like we're in people's businesses, right? Like they're divulging really personal things and to be able to provide a safe space where they can do that and um, ask the deeper questions and really kind of get under the hood. It's so important. And for me, it, that's what creates a better result for them as opposed to like just making a new logo, right? When you can really (laughs) capture that part of who they are and who their people are and how they want to show up and how they want to be perceived um, like there's a gold mine of information in there if you're willing to, yeah. to go for it. Yeah. I yes. Love it. I, I do. I do love it. And, and I think one of the things that you really highlighted in there, and I think it's important as a leader is actually to get, get really curious, mm-hmm. put, put your own preconceptions, put your own ego aside, put, put what you think, you know, over there and park it. Yeah. And just get deeply curious about people, what they think, how they feel, what perspective they have, like just get curious. And then as my mother would say, use your mouth and your ears in the proportion God gave them to you. Exactly. (laughs) So that's your cake hole, open your ears. And it's amazing what people will offer to you. Yeah. It's beautiful. Like it's such a gift really. It is a gift. You're, and you're- I mean, and isn't that what we all want, right? We all want to be seen and heard and supported That's and good. understood. Yes. Yeah. It's what we all want. So to be able to do that in our work, I'm like, oh, I get to do this all the time. How yeah. great is that? I am, I am always deeply honored. I was just coaching with a new client this morning and I am always deeply honored that people um, invest in the space, mm. right? They, they, they allow me in mm-hmm. and they invest in, in that, in what we create together. And that to me is the ultimate, they're giving of themselves. Yeah. And I, I think you're right. I, I, mm-hmm. I think whether it's in our own business or whether we're leading a team, everyone wants to feel seen and heard and respected. And I would add mm-hmm. to that, like they belong. And yes. that's what you create, Michelle, for your clients is a sense of belonging That's what I help business owners create in their team is a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. When we feel that level of connection and safety, we can show up as our whole self. We can do really great work. We can create with someone like Michelle. We can have a beautiful, inspired culture where people just magic happens. Yeah. Right. 
That's yeah. what we really do. That's what we all really want in our heart of hearts. And so I think that's really beautiful that that is what you bring to your clients and to that space of design and creation. Um, I, I can imagine the beautiful things you produce in that space. Mm, thank you. Yeah, it's very fun. The other thing with that too, that I would add is when you do that, the, the way that we invest in our clients, it never goes unnoticed, right? right? And it never goes unappreciated. No, I think you're right. And it always comes back, right? Yeah. yeah Without think- intending, like that's not the intention of it, right? No, I don't do no, it to get no. something out of it, but it just does. Like they, they remember that and there's the, you know, how can I support you? What do you need? It, it, like it builds this beautiful network of people. It's not just a client boss, you know, whatever relationship. Um, yeah, it, it builds this connection space. It's true. And, and I, ju- I mean, for us as business owners, you're right. It generate, it generates clients and referrals because our clients want to tell others about what we do for them. Mm-hmm. I think it also in organizations, when you have happy team, when mm-hmm. the people that work in your business feel seen, heard, respected, and like they belong, they do great work for your clients. And when they do great work for your clients, your clients bring more work. They give you more money, right? And they go out and are happy to tell the world, hey, I work with this organization and they are incredible. So it just self-perpetuates. And beyond that, you know, it's it's the karma piece, right? When you put (laughs) that stuff out to the universe, you get that back tenfold. So Mm -hmm. I, I really love that. Michelle, we need to spend more time together. That's what I think about this <laughs> entire do conversation. That. You and we I actually get to have coffee in person somewhere, right? Yes. And and now we that will. we can do that, we, yeah. yeah, because we we clearly have a, you know, we don't do the same work, but our philosophy no. and our approach is the same. And and um, it's always exciting for me to have that, these someone like you in my network. So thank you. I, I really appreciate your time. Appreciate you being a guest. You brought some really beautiful, insightful, magical things to the conversation today. And, and I'm, I'm so excited for anyone who uh, gets to listen to this episode. Yeah, you're so welcome, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. It was all my pleasure. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. I sure hope you enjoyed listening as much as I did hosting this conversation. And if you did enjoy today's episode, would you do me a favor? Would you give the episode a five-star review and share it with all of your friends? I would really appreciate that. I've got a goal to impact a thousand female founders. And with your help, we can really amplify this message. Thanks again for being a part of the show. And don't forget to connect with me and all of my guests on Instagram at High Volt Leadership. We'll see you next Friday.